0: friends, welcome to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. This is our first episode of the New Year 2022, and I'm delighted to say that I'm here today as always with my son, Matthew J. Evans. Hi, it's great to be here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. You know, even though we're about three weeks into the new year, it's never the wrong time to talk about goal setting.
1: That's true. Uh, Oftentimes, people give up on their New Year's resolutions within the first month. So that is going to be something important with what we're talking about today.
0: It is. I think this is excellent timing. Now, the New Year is traditionally a time to transform our lives in significant ways. People throughout the world make resolutions at this time. Now, what do we mean when we say resolution instead of goal or intention? Well, a resolution is defined as a firm or resolute decision to do something or not to do something. However, my question is to all of us today, if our resolutions are so firm, why do a great majority of them remain unfulfilled? Why are there so many gym memberships unused, even when it's not COVID? Why are so many projects left unfinished? Why do we feel bad? Because once again, we didn't keep our word. We didn't do what we said we were going to do. And so now's the time to do something about it. So let's begin by talking about some of the classic reasons why so many of us don't manifest our goals.
1: Right. The resolution that we set might be harder than we thought initially. Maybe we thought it would be a little bit easier to pull off, and we've run into some challenges and some roadblocks that kind of discourage us. I, I know it's so it's so easy to get discouraged, especially with something like a gym membership. I know from personal experience, the first time you go, oh, this is easy. I got this. The second time you go, okay, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. By the time it's for me, like the fourth time, I'm kind of not having fun anymore. And it's very much a chore. And it still hasn't become a part of my daily routine. And it's really awful to drag myself out there. Yes, it's very
0: hard to, as you say, drag ourselves around, because clearly there's an inner conflict that comes when a part of us knows we should be doing something. And another part of us disagrees vehemently. Now, we talk a lot about our many selves and how there are so many different components in our consciousness, but we rarely give attention to the inner adolescent. The inner adolescent is around a lot. The inner adolescent really believes that they shouldn't have to do something unless they want to. The inner adolescent, like the inner child, um, in many cases is ego driven and it hasn't had the maturity to understand that sometimes we need to do things that we don't want to do because it is better for us. It's something that we've chosen as our higher self, and we need to come to terms with the adolescent and not let them yell and scream in our consciousness and cause us to lose sight of our goals. So for me, this is what happens when I get a gym membership and when I decide that on this new year, which I've decided for many, many years, that I was going to get a gym membership and stay fit on a regular basis by exercising. Well, the first person I meet in my consciousness is the inner adolescent who says, "I don't feel like it." Do you have a voice like that, Matthew, in your consciousness?
1: Well, yeah, uh, most of the time it sounds like my regular voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well yes, yeah, see,
0: that is that is the confusion. Unless we know ahead of time that we're dealing with our many selves. The biggest mistake we can make in consciousness is to think that I changed my mind. I thought this way, now I think this way. Instead of coming to grips with the fact that there are different, shall we say, entities or aspects of consciousness, some have grown up, some have stayed. They're part of the archetypes that Carl Jung talked about. And they reside within the spectrum of our consciousness. We have conversations with them all the time, but seldom do we realize that we're talking to perhaps a less mature or less healthy aspect of self. This is before I have reached the front door. I don't feel like going, but I have to go. I don't have to go if I don't want to go but I should want to go. I want to have the results of this exercise, but I'm tired and I'm hungry and I thought we could get some cheesecake. (laughs) Sound familiar to you, Matthew? Yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) I think this rings a bell for almost everybody listening. Yeah, I want cheesecake and I don't think it's fair that I should spend all this time working up a sweat and then I'll have to work on my hair again and that's going to take another hour and I won't have time to do the things I really want to do. How about if I go tomorrow?
1: Right, there's always tomorrow.
0: Well, it seems that way to the inner adolescent. Yeah,
1: you can do everything tomorrow. Sure.
0: Well, Everything
1: you don't want to do.
0: No, they think so. The inner adolescents believe that we should always do what we want to do, what requires the least effort and generates the most fun. Mm -hmm. And if we stick to those rules, then we should live a happy life. And there's no reason to stamp our foot or throw a tantrum. It's just easy to be nice when everything's going your way.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, uh, one of my dance teachers when I was very young had a term that she used uh, with the kids to, to kind of help encourage us, uh, to develop the skill of impulse control. She, all she had to say was impulse control. You know, if the class started to get a little rowdy or something, we're, we're here to be focused. We're in class now. The time for fun can be later. Impulse control.
0: Yes, I remember her well. She was a wonderful, well-renowned dance teacher who passed away a couple of years ago. But she was a wonderful teacher and especially good with small children. You were six or seven years old at the time, I remember that. And uh, I was sitting with the the other dance moms and I heard her say that it's all about impulse control. And then she added, I've tried to explain that to my (laughs) ex-husband. She said, and maybe that's one of the reasons that he is my ex-husband. I don't think
1: the little kids got that joke, but the moms all laughed. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, No, she wasn't laughing either. Uh, She really meant it. And it was so powerful, because it was such an unusual term for her to use. mm -hmm. And yet... Look how successful she was. You remembered it all these years later.
1: I'm not saying I mastered it, but I I remember her saying it vividly.
0: (laughs) Well, let's put it this way. Impulse control is a wonderful idea if we understand where those impulses are coming from and what kind of power they might have in our consciousness. Again, we're talking about an inner adolescent. And so all we have to do is think of ourselves uh, during the ages of 11, 12, 13, and try to figure out what we were like during those times, how important it was for us to have fun and to do the things we wanted to do, and how hard it was to do the things we had to do homework and chores. It was the rare adolescent who was able to say, if I do all my work now, I'll be able to enjoy myself later. That's usually not the vocabulary of the inner adolescent. They want what they want, and they want it now. Uh, Otherwise, they just don't stop. Mm -hmm. They cry, they whine, they feel sorry for themselves. And we think it's our own adult voice that's talking. And we say to the inner adolescent, you're right, we can have that cheesecake today as long as we're sure we're going to go to the gym tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then guess what happens? The veil of denial descends rather quickly before we understand that there is anything wrong with what we've said. And the next time we wake up, could be March or April.
1: Mhm. Oh yeah, that that tomorrow, that undefined tomorrow could be the day after tomorrow. It could be an infinite tomorrows beyond. As as long as you've put it off, it's not happening.
0: Yes. Know? Yes. That, but that's only true for the inner adolescent. Right. It is not true for the adult. Right. What is true is that whatever we do has its consequences. And so by not going today and by realizing who that voice is, by understanding who is speaking to us, we'll also know that we're not going to do it tomorrow either, that we have to grab a whole different mindset and get other Aspects of consciousness that live within us, the wise mentor, the observer, a whole list of positive and powerful adult mentors that are going to see us through and are going to help us find other people in the outside world that will help us. Well, I want to talk a bit about the burning bowl at Unity that strives to address the issue of unfulfilled resolutions. Now, unity has adopted a tradition which originated in ancient times, and it was modified some years ago and adapted to what we call a burning bowl ceremony. I think for those of us who have studied history, especially ancient history, we will see that there were burning rituals, purification rituals or sacrificial rituals Rituals that involved burning, and so there is an archetype involved in that—the idea that once we burn something, it will be released from our consciousness.
1: Yeah, fire has a lot of cleansing imagery in different cultures, and sacrifices like animal sacrifices are burned. All kinds of things like that. Yeah, yeah. It's it, I've I've really enjoyed the burning bowl over the years. Many of us are familiar with the New Year Burning bowl tradition, but for those of you who are not, we take two sheets of paper and on one we write a goal that we want to manifest in the coming year. And on the other sheet of paper, we write the beliefs and habits that we're willing to release in order to manifest those goals. Then we take the first sheet of paper and we put it in an envelope that we're going to view in six months so we can gauge our progress up to that point. The second sheet of paper we burn as a metaphor for letting go. This process helps us understand that since energy can neither be created nor destroyed, just changed in form, as we watch the paper turn into ash, we see that transformation of energy taking place.
0: Yes. Now, each year... I have so enjoyed teaching the fact that we're not getting rid of old beliefs. Rather, we're transforming the energy. Energy is energy. Energy is not good or bad, but it's invested either in limited beliefs or expansive beliefs. So we don't want to get rid of the energy, but we want to transform it just as the paper turns into ash. And so during our Burning bowl service at Unity every year, I truly emphasize that, even though more people than I would care to admit believe that burning the sheet of paper on which we've written our negative beliefs is the transformation, and that they're now ready to experience their desired goals without dealing with those negative beliefs anymore. That is very far from the way it works. And so I've done my best over the years to continue to emphasize that letting go is a process of learning and unlearning and learning and unlearning, and that there's no magic ceremony that can do this work for us, no matter how willing we are, no matter how much we wish it would happen. And now going back to our inner adolescent, they're the ones that believe that we can change things by magic. They're the ones that really believe that if I say, I'm going to stop being angry, that we can throw that piece of paper into the fire and then release our need to be angry. No, it, it doesn't work that way. The burning bowl is designed to watch the transformation of energy, to watch the paper turning into ash. It's not magic. Metaphysical thinking is not magical thinking. And so since COVID, it's become clear to me that on New Year's, uh, a virtual burning bowl service loses a great deal in the translation. And I began to think hard about finding another format that would not only work as well but would take us to a new level of understanding as to how to work with our new year resolutions in a more effective and transformative way.
1: I've always loved how the burning bowl is a, a really wonderful visual metaphor, but yeah, not something that's doing the work for us. We, we're we're setting an intention by doing that, but we still have to check in with it every day and and renew our commitment to that.
0: Yes, we do. Absolutely, we do. And so there were two things motivating me to make a change in the burning bowl ceremony that we did two weeks ago. One was that since COVID, it's become very clear that a virtual burning bowl loses a great deal in the translation. And two, it doesn't help us keep our resolutions. It doesn't help us hold those ideas on a daily basis. It doesn't help us change the old habits and transform the energy into new ways of living. So I gave this quite a bit of prayerful consideration, and suddenly I remembered an experience that I had a couple of months before, which related perfectly to the process I wanted to communicate with our congregants and those who watch our virtual services all around the world. I noticed that I was having extra back pain, just kind of aches and pains that I've had for so many years. As I always say, uh, in the days that I worked in the theater, I was dropped by almost every male dancer west of Manhattan. And so, you know, there are some muscle aches and pains that uh, are fairly chronic. But I noticed that I was walking, favoring one of my legs, kind of like a limp, but also I was being very careful with that leg because that's where I had a hip replacement some years ago and I didn't want to injure it, I didn't want to upset it. But what happened by my favoring one leg was that I was causing pressure in my lower back. And I decided, to let go of that habit. Now, I knew it wasn't going to be easy because who knew how long I had been doing it without noticing it. But here were the effects of my walking, favoring one leg. The effects were that I was putting so much pressure on the other side of my body that it was becoming very painful to walk. So I wanted to... Make an affirmation or set an intention or make a resolution that would help me achieve a successful manifestation process. Then I started analyzing my physical behaviors and began writing on the second sheet of paper reminders to myself. First, I said, When rising from a sitting position, put both feet firmly on the ground. Put weight on both legs. When going up or downstairs, use both legs instead of favoring one and distribute your weight evenly. Be mindful of sitting for too long a time without getting up or changing positions. Check often to release accumulated stress. And so I wrote all of this down and a few other things as well, because I had given it enough time and attention. I was serious enough about it to try to capture those behaviors that were inadvertently contributing to my muscle aches. And I thought, wait a minute, I can't burn this sheet of paper. I need to keep this sheet of paper. Not only do I need to keep it, but I need to keep it in my pocket, in my purse. I need to remind myself every day that in order to get what I want, I have to release these habits, which have been largely unconscious to me. Now I have to remember to look at the paper. I have to remember to be mindful and conscious. And if I don't remember, I'm not going to beat myself up about it and get into the shame-blame game. I'm just going to remember to get back to work. Now, this probably sounds very simple because basically in our goal to make New Year's resolutions and make these great changes in our lives, we usually have what seem to be larger goals. This goal seems rather simplistic. But for me, this decision to manifest this resolution reminded me of all the times that I didn't, and I wanted to change that. I wanted to be the person that I could trust. I wanted to be the person who kept my word to myself. It's always been important for me to keep my word to others, but for me, that was easier. You know, I never really thought that much about how not keeping my word to myself, or as we said before, giving in to my inner adolescent, was keeping me in a negative and limited place. So, I started using that piece of paper every day when I walked up and down the stairs, When I felt I had been sitting too long, I became mindful of becoming conscious of my body, no matter what book I was reading, no matter what talk I was writing. It was more important for me to keep my word and to take stress off of my body. So as I was looking back and thinking about that process, that instead of burning the second piece of paper, I kept it. I realized that that, for me, was the missing component in the old burning bowl experience. We do need to write an affirmation and keep it and be aware of it and look at it after periods of time to see where we are in the process. But we also want to keep the process itself. Again, transformation doesn't come by burning words in a bowl of fire. Transformation comes when we become conscious of transforming that energy in our own minds, using the same energy for a greater good in our experience. And so, this time, the burning bowl didn't involve burning. This time, a couple of weeks ago, During our service, we wrote on our first sheet of paper, My goal in the coming year is to experience, and then say the words, What is it that we want to experience? Then on the second sheet of paper, we write, I fully and freely commit to making the following changes. And then we list the old habits that we intend to shift and we do them one at a time and we keep that piece of paper and we realize that that piece of paper is a roadmap. It's a roadmap that will help us get from where we are to where we want to be Again, no negative self-talk. If we forget, we forget. After all, how many years have we been in denial and how many years has our inner adolescent been running the show? So just be okay with the fact that you forgot this time, but then take up the effort in the next second. Speak affirmations about what we are working on experiencing Ask our friends and family to support us by noticing these habits and helping us remember. You see, the goal is remembering, remembering, putting things together that were once whole and have been fragmented. So, how do you think our
1: New Year ceremony went without the burning bowl this year? It was great. It was a really powerful ceremony, being able to to write down our intentions and then hold on to them and be able to continue to remind us every day. It was was really powerful.
0: I'm so glad. I felt the same way. I felt that in that piece of paper with the behaviors I wanted to release specifically stated that it was a clear-cut understanding of what it is that I needed to do in order to manifest my goals. So let's get off our affirmation and let us do that not only at New Year's, not only at the new year, but anytime we're going to be setting goals. And remember, anytime we want to change an old habit We have to not only put the new habit on top of the old one, we have to release the energy we've invested in the old one so that the new one can take form. And also remember that our inner adolescent needs to be parented with love. They don't always have to get their way, not even remotely. And let's remember to recognize that voice, to understand that it's going to come up, especially in areas of discipline where we need our full adult self, and that within each of us is the living spirit of truth, and we can access that wisdom, that strength, and that power to
1: help us do all that we were created to do and to be. Thanks so much for listening to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Please connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook at the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast and on our website, getoffyouraffirmation.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Have a wonderful week. You deserve it.